Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast, helping you be more successful at work and in your life. We profile topics and speakers that are influential in your world. Here are your hosts, Jen Nicholson and Blair Cook. Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jen Nicholson. Today we have with us Michael Herrera, the VP Finance and Admin of the United Way Toronto and York Region. He was a key player in the merger of the world's largest chapter of the United Way of these two regions. In this podcast, we talk to Michael about the challenges and learnings from that experience that any CPA could use in a merger of any two organizations. Let's listen in. Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. We're so excited to have Michael Herrera here with us today. Michael is the VP Finance for United Way, Toronto and York Region, the largest United Way in the world. That's correct. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Mike. Thank you for having me. Do you go by Mike or Michael? Either one is good. Okay, that's good. So this uh, organization just underwent a merger. It used to be United Way of Toronto and United Way of York Region. That's correct. So when did the merger happen? So the merger took place effective July 1st, 2015. And uh, what was interesting about this particular merger is that we actually had been in merger discussions uh, as early as 2009. And in fact, you know, when we got to the altar, because I always like to think of a merger like a wedding. And we got to the altar in 2009 and Toronto got left at the altar. Oh, no. And um, (laughs) it wasn't the right time. And so, you know, work continued to happen then behind the scenes to make sure that both parties were ready the next time we wanted to engage in conversation. And then the second time around, we were much more successful uh, in getting the merger done. So the relationship uh, stayed, continued on, even though the the person was left at the altar, the organization was left at the altar. Yes. That's good. Not always the case in personal relationships. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I like how you uh, use the analogy of Facebook and how you describe the relationship as it's complicated. For sure. And I think, you know, in any time that you're putting two entities together, whether they're individuals or corporations, it really is like a relationship where you have to sort of figure out what are you bringing to the table? What are you hoping to gain as a new entity or as a new unit? And sometimes what are the non-negotiables that you don't want to give up and things where you need to compromise and actually be different in order to be stronger uh, going forward. And this was a non-for-profit merger, but this information would apply to any corporation? I think so. I think that any time that you are putting two organizations together who have to learn a different way to operate as a new single entity, there are always going to be similar challenges and uh, similar processes that have to go through. What was the impetus for the merger? So we always talk about um, wanting to serve our communities in a much more effective way. And so, you know, as we look at the boundary of Steeles Avenue, Steeles Avenue is an artificial boundary when it comes to accessing services and for people wanting to gain community benefits through different agencies. So just because you happen to live north of Steeles, but there's a great service that you want to access south of Steeles, why should you be prevented from using those particular services? Oh, absolutely. So that was what was happening in the past. Exactly. And I think, you know, the complexity of, you know, where we have some of our funded agencies that might have locations in both York Region and Toronto, but they would have to file two funding applications in order to get funding from both organizations. Or sometimes you have governments 
provincial government that might want to fund initiatives that are on a regional basis. And it becomes much more complex when you're not dealing with a single organization. Absolutely, I could see that. And what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? In this process? I think that, you know, one of the biggest challenges whenever you're looking to merge entities is to ensure that both organizations are ready to engage in the conversation. And we talk about, you know, the two important characteristics being trust and courage. You have to have trust in the partner that you want to merge with, that you're going to look for each other. And you have to sometimes have courage to give up some control or to do something very different in order to be able to accomplish something greater than you could separately. Those are great ideas. Now, did you find that the merger was a one plus one equals three? I think so. And, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, one of the challenges, you know, why one, one party got left at the altar in 2009, I think part of it has to do with a lack of trust. And perhaps when you have lack of trust or lack of knowing, then it becomes more challenging to be courageous. Right? It's always easier to do nothing than to do something, right? And so, you know, and when you don't know the people really well or the organization that you want to possibly get together with, you tend to then start to ask for more information because you have doubts. And if you don't have that trust and doubts start to creep, it's a lot easier to find reasons why not to do something. Absolutely. And uh, what kinds of cultural issues did you deal with? Was there a different culture in each organization? The great thing about United Way is that the nature of the work that we do is very similar, right? So we fund uh, social service organizations because we want to make improvements in the lives of people in the community. Uh, Where there were cultural differences was simply because of size. You know, the United Way of York Region was one-tenth of the size of United Way Toronto. So when you're working for an organization that only has 20 staff, then you are in that organization with very different uh, work experience of how you deal with colleagues. Oh, absolutely. In a small organization like that, everybody knows everybody well. You probably wear a lot of different hats. Exactly. And of course, the advantage of working for a much larger organization is that you have resources available to you. And when you have resources, for instance, the United Way of Toronto had its own research department. We had our own communications and public affairs department. We had a very strong fundraising department where we were able to take some of those resources and bring them to bear in order to develop some fantastic strategies, which you can't possibly do when you have a staff of 20. You can do that when you have a staff of 200. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you find there were cost savings and efficiencies that came into play once the merger was complete? We don't necessarily look at cost savings. We look at with the same amount of assets available for us to use in operations, what more can we do? Right. So in fact, we know that there's always going to be need in the community. So we look at how can we continue to expand the amount of money that we raise in the community so that we can invest more in the community. And if we're able to do that by having deploying our own operational uh, resources in a much more effective manner, then that's a win for everyone. So this was a merger of two entities. Mm-hmm. Have you seen situations or can you think of more challenges that you would face if there were more organizations joining? For sure. And there's lots of examples even within the United Way movement where there's been actually three or more organizations coming together. Most recently, there have been four United Ways that have come together to form the United Way of Hamilton Halton. And so, you know, one of the challenges when you have more partners at the table is that you actually have to develop sometimes more complex agreements with multiple stakeholders. And depending on whether you have a organizations coming together of similar size, there isn't an automatic assumption about 
who is going to take over the leadership of the new organization, which policies you're going to adopt location-wise, how many offices are you going to have. One of the advantages with Toronto and York Region is because there was such a significant size differential, we already knew who the new leader was going to be of the merged entity. It was very clear that Toronto had more robust policies and procedures in place, more robust systems. So it was very clear that in the adoption of the new entity, that we would be using the Toronto systems and the Toronto methodology. When you have organizations of comparable sizes coming together, they might be on completely different computer systems, they might have different ways of accounting for things, and you actually have to then go through a process of determining, are we going to adopt one versus another, or do we decide that we take this opportunity to step back and come up with a different way of working as a new entity? And so those would be some of the differences when you have multiple organizations coming together or organization of similar size. I was speaking to someone who recently went through a merger of insurance companies uh, last week and they had 13 different benefit providers, 13 different packages, Mm -hmm. plans. That's tough. Exactly. And, And you think about when you are trying to merge cultures and you think about the employee pay scales. Exactly. So how do you determine which is the new benefit package that is going to be offered to everyone in the new reality. And somebody's going to lose. Or maybe everybody wins, but it means you actually have to take a lot of time in determining what is going to be the new reality when it comes to how the employees are going to be compensated. Everything from vacation policies and to pension and benefits um, become very critical. And much more difficult to do when you have multiple organizations coming together that have similar but not identical benefits. But it's no different from when you have similar but not identical processes. When do you reimburse certain expenses? What is your travel policy? And although sometimes these things don't seem to be big initiatives or big issues, it actually means a lot to the individual employee who has to change. Right. If you're not, if you don't have to change, then it's much easier to adopt. But if you're so used to doing certain things, then it becomes very difficult to manage the change. How do you manage change? I mean, what is what is the process that you've gone through, and what do you recommend for companies to? How, how should they approach change management to ensure that it is successful? I think one of the key characteristics of any successful change management is to ensure that you have very clear communications processes and to ensure that everyone gets the same communication at the same time. You know, we hear of some examples where one thing had been communicated to one company but not to the other and people heard that the other company got an opportunity to attend a town hall meeting. And whether or not the company that did not get a town hall meeting didn't already have the information, the fact that they were not afforded the same opportunity causes some worry and anxiety. And so we made sure that when we were going through the merger of Toronto and York Region, as soon as we had made the public decision that the merger was going to go forward, all communications would be the same to both employee groups, and they would be issued at the same time. And then we began having joint staff meetings so that people could hear the same message at the same time and have the same opportunities to ask questions. And I think that's one of the key things is to ensure that people feel that they are getting the same message and have the same opportunity to be heard. Did you have a project management team in place for the 
the actual merger process? Yes, so we both had a project management team to get the agreement to uh, get to the merger. And then once the merger had been approved, we then put together a merger implementation team, which are two very different teams. One is much more strategic and the other one uh, focuses on operations and how you actually merge culture, merge systems, and merge processes. Right, so very different, different personality types are required for each stage. Exactly, and when we think about, you know, especially merging organizational culture, that would be led by someone in human resources, as opposed to when you're looking to merge systems, you have the information technology person lead that process. Finance and administration, I would obviously leave uh, leave the legal, the financial, and any uh, reporting requirements for government. So I think the biggest message is that uh, not to take it lightly. I think what what we've learned and what was very important was that because it was such an important exercise, you couldn't just do this at the side of your desk. You needed to make sure that you had resources dedicated to ensure a successful merger and implementation, and that when people are putting this as their priority, you would have, may have to backfill their work so that the regular day-to-day work continues to happen. One of the important things that we heard was that you could have a very successful merger, but if you let your day-to-day operations fall by the wayside, it doesn't matter that you had a great merger if your operations suffer. So making sure that it was clear that while the merger was also taking place, you kept focus on servicing your customers, your community, or whoever your stakeholders would be. And making sure that that delicate balance kept into play would be uh, very critical. Particularly important if you think about in a for-profit world, and you might have two organizations come together, but all of a sudden their product quality suffers or their service to their customers suffer. It doesn't matter that they were able to complete a successful merger if the business fails because they lose customers or they're unable to deliver on their service, then the merger was for naught. Any lessons learned that you, how you would change things if you had to do it again? I think that we were very fortunate because we felt that the approach that we took was very successful. And so having to do it all over again, I think we would still have followed the same procedures. What I would say is that we interviewed other United Ways who went through merger discussions because we wanted to learn from their mistakes. And so before we began to embark on determining what was the right process for us, by understanding from others what not to do, it helped us to avoid some of the pitfalls. And I think that's one of the great advantages in the not-for-profit sphere is that People are very willing to share their success stories and their opportunities for learning, as opposed to, I don't think banks would be willing to share what didn't go well in their bank merger with some of their competitors. And I think one of the great things about being part of a movement like United Way is that we have very clear geographic boundaries about where we raise our money from and where we invest our dollars in the community. So when we talk to our fellow United Way members, we're not competing for the same dollar. So in fact, it is the stronger that the United Way brand is across North America and around the world, it benefits all of us. And so we're all willing to share our learned experiences because as our neighbors across the country continue to perform well, it is good on the brand and people will continue to give to United Way whatever part of the country they live in. That's excellent. And how are things going now? Things have gone actually quite well. Some examples of... Uh, some wins that we've had since the merger is that we've had new corporate donors join um, the United Way Toronto, New York region family. So for example, Magna had been a large corporate 
entity in York Region that had never given to United Way York Region oh, before. Wow. And uh, this was the first year that they provided a significant corporate gift to the organization. Fantastic. And it's a seven-figure multi-year gift, and um, that would not have probably been possible without the merger taking place where you actually have a much larger entity being able to... To manage that kind of a gift. Exactly. That will have a huge impact in the community. For, for sure. And it's not just the opportunities in York Region that have been able to be converted. We know that there are synergistic industries. For instance, in York Region, they have a strong construction industry. And in Toronto, they have a strong real estate industry. So when you are able to bring both of those industries together to encourage one another to participate in the United Way campaign, it means that it's going to be increased resources for both communities. That's fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Michael. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the CPA Success Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. Visit www.cpacanada forward slash podcast 